Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matt Peveril, joined by my co-host as always, Marky D, Marky Davison. Mark, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Matty. How are you going on this uh, fine Sunday morning? Yeah, it's good. I mean, like we're going live in the US on their Saturday evening and wherever else anyone's listening in the world, welcome to the show. If you're on the audio side, thanks for coming back and listening to us. As, as we have a yarn about the team that the Yins is supporting. <clears throat> Marky D, though, we, we, we've got to start off the show, you know, on a bit of a somber note for what will be actually a really positive note uh, with our one-year anniversary show. So, so excited. And, you know, George Teston's in the live chat already. Ali Howard, Captain Underpants. Uh, Owen David's in there. Uh, Vic Vic's also there. What's up, mate? Vic from Pittsburgh, now in New York City. Nice one. Uh, Captain Underpants says my Aussies. Uh, hey, Captain Underpants. So, but Mark, as said, somber note with this week's show. Uh, overnight, we woke up to that news around Tunch Icon, and and you know, it's yeah, it's just a really, really sad feeling. And uh, you know, for the Steelers fan base, and this week, you know, we while we celebrate our one year anniversary as a show, you know, I celebrate one well, not celebrate, but it's a one year anniversary since my grandpa passed, who I was close to, and. I was feeling a bit somber about that. And then you wake up and suddenly the Steeler fan base is sharing a little bit of what I've been feeling today. But, you know, I know that you, you know, have some thoughts around Tunch. So, yeah, how were you feeling when you woke up to the news this morning about Tunch's passing? Uh, like, it's it's pretty heavy. Like, obviously, you know, you and I don't know the bloke. Yeah. Um, but, and that's that's always a big difference. Like, you know, a lot of people, you know, give their condolences for, for celebrities they've never met and, and stuff like that. But that's it's each to their own person what they want to do. Um, for me personally, I guess like he was one for me touch. Like I didn't even know that he was a player first when I first started watching the football. Um, I just know him that when I started watching football in 2003 or 2002, around that time, um, when I first come to black and gold and then years later, when I started to, to get on the app with the Steelers, uh, Steelers radio, touch was always there. He was always on the sidelines, always talking football. He was a big part of the Steelers fo- like football, um, culture and, and scene. So Look, what he went through, we talked about it off air. It's really tough. Like it's 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 it was it's a um ALS. I'm not I don't even know what that, that disease means, but I just know that your body starts to break down and it's like and he was going for other things and it must have been a really hard time. So for him to be in a better place now is it's it's you know, maybe it's a good thing what he was going through. But um it is yeah, look, he was honestly one him and Wolf when I was growing up, or when I say growing up from 13, 14, 15 like I didn't have, you know, oh, I had, I put the, if I couldn't see the game, I put the radio on and say, you know, and listen to to them in the locker room or, you know, you get the, the Pittsburgh Steeler call from those two guys and you're already seen the game, but you just listen to it again. It's something in the background where you just wanted to hear those two voices. And I'm telling you right now, like if you and I ever met Tunch or even if we go and meet Wolfley, you know that those two blokes are good blokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you and I could have a beer with them and it's just, I don't know. It's, I'm not really good with, let's say, you know, death or so. I, I kind of, I don't know, I look the other way sometimes. Um, but something today when you wake up and it, we're so far away in Australia, I think it can still it can still hit you a little bit. And I think we just have to pay a little bit of respect to Tunch for what he's done for this steel organization and for all the fans um, wearing what we wear. And it's not just about the touchdown, it's about the culture around it. So it's it's he's just as big as a personality as Myron Cope with a towel. So shout out to to Tunch and, and you know prayers to his family because this is this is like it's big news it's it's something that happened you know 
But, you know, you're right there. Like we are on the other side of the world and, you know, you look at this and for a lot of a lot of us, you know, we didn't really get to see touch play or at all, really, like, you know, it was before our time. But even you look at the live chat right now, right? And I know it's the same. We've got people on the audio side that are just, just as regular for us as well. But, you know, it's just about timing and when they listen to us. But you look at the the mateship that we have and, you know, you know, we're two Aussie mates, we're two Aussie larrikins. We talk about mates, you know, all the time. You know, and you meet mates wherever you are in the world. But, you know, even our live chat right now, you know, people always, you know, and it's across the whole BTSC family, people are saying, you know, hey, how you going and what's up? And, you know, I know there's people, you know, that before have had, you know, have gone through issues like cancer or what have you and, and other BTSC, you know, hosts have known that and we're supportive of that and we celebrate together as a btsc family when all of us do you know different things individually that are great and at the same time we support each other when things aren't going you know going so well and you think about a steelers player like that and you you think about the guys that wear the black and the gold and why are we all together we're all together because we support one team we're united you know there's still fans unite there's still a nation those aren't just names for things they represent this this collaborative community that we all are and so when you lose someone that's an icon within that community or that we've got that common and that shared experience with, might have a differing opinion on, you know, a player or what have you, but we have that shared experience. We have that that connection with each other. You feel a loss when that gets impacted. You know, you feel that as a community. And, you know, as you said there, Mark, for a lot of people, you know, their experience at Tunch is, you know, he was the voice that brought them games when they didn't have access. And it's different like a streaming world now. Like, and a good example, like this morning, I woke up. I'm, a, you know, I'm a Texas Longhorns fan. I want to watch the game. Now, the way the Americans slice and dice their sport, it was impossible to watch. Like it literally was. I tried VPNs, the works. I could not get that game. So I had to listen to some of it on the radio. But if, like, we have the power of technology in this day and age, and 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 I mean, you know, technology's been around for several hundreds of years, and you know, depending on how you frame technology. But I mean, in terms of streaming, we've had that for maybe a decade. Before that, all you had was the radio. And for yeah. some people as well, you know, we talked about this with the, it came up across some of the BTSC shows and you and I talked about it with the Philadelphia Eagles game. Watching that on International Game Pass with those commentators was horrific. So you tune into the radio and the voice that you get over that radio was Tunch, you know, Tunch and yeah. Wolf. So, you know, this is the thing. It's like, it does sort of hit people because there's a relationship there, even if you didn't have to see him play, even if you didn't, you know, get to watch him play. So, you know, it's a tough day for the Steelers. Well, well, that's it, Matty. Like, even just, like, with the radio and for a lot of Australian fans and worldwide fans and Owen David's from UK and, um, you know, sometimes we put the radio on and I, maybe for maybe from years, I probably didn't even know what this what the bloke looked like, Tunch looked like, or Wolfley. So, um, you put that, that, that uh, turn the radio on. I think what I used to do it was I had to go into a browser, to the internet browser and type in the Steelers.com and then eventually the app came out and you, and, I remember doing many things, cooking or whatever I'm cleaning or whatever I'm doing and running around the house and or I'm in the car and you just, it's a sense of like comfort, I think too, when you put that still as like, I know we have a good, we have a great community here, but like the main, the main aspect of still, still radio, it's just something about it. Like there was, when those two blokes were on there, Wolf and Tunch, and they're old school guys too, you know, like they, they, they just, I probably should go back and watch more film because, you know, they, all they want to do was rough and tumble the, um, the person in front of them, and they love talking the O line. That this had such a passion for the game. Tunch had a passion for the game that that, that was outstanding, and um, 
Yeah, it's a bit tough today. It feel like I know it's our, you know, we're gonna have a one year anniversary. You know? Like I'm so thankful to have this spot in this chair. Well, actually, it's my chair, so <laughs> I guess I still have this spot. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a tough day, and I, I'm thankful for having my voice. And if I can live and learn anything from Tunch and just talk passionately about the game, and then the rest will flow. Like I yeah. don't know much about about the the skill sets, but I can talk passionately about it. And, and he definitely did that. Like listening to him on the radio was just. He will be missed, man. Like, I don't know. I'm just a bit, yeah, a bit, bit cut up today. Yeah. Well, I mean, Buck Dancer, he says he remembers getting a Tunch autograph when he was a kid at a fan fest. I mean, you know, you've looked at him straight in the face, you know, Buck Dancer, you know, as probably many people in the in the live chat or, you know, part of the BTC community. But, you know, for you, that's something that's something you feel. Like, you know, that's, as I say, so it's, look, it is a really sad day, uh, you know, and it, yeah, it's, it's not great. But... You know, as Tunch probably would have said at times as well, the show must must go on. You know, so what's, what's the one he says about Denver? Um, uh, cancel your reservations or something. He says, "Oh, I don't know what that one is, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about." That's one of the classic lines when Big Ben fumbled the football or something. <laughs> <laughs> cancel your reservations. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a tough one. But was there anything else that stood out to you in the last week with the Steelers? You know, Mark, it's been a it's been a weird. It's, I feel like it's a bit of a weird time. Like we had the announcement of the fifty three, then a bunch of guys on the practice squad. You know, somehow we kept Marcus Allen and UG three and cut Quincy Roche. And you know, I think you know everyone knows how much I love Quincy Roche. But you know, I think they wanted him on the practice squad. Giants picked him up. All the rest of it. You know, we got now Carl Joseph on the roster. That's another big piece. But yeah, what what stood out to you for the week? Because we didn't really get to chat much. <laughs> uh it's what I'm what I'm finding is that it's when's the last year that the Steelers brought in a lot of free agents or like like you know Melvin Ingram, the Showbits, those kind of guys. We have a really different roster, don't we? At the moment, I bet half of the half our teams, uh, uh, all the O lines different. A lot of the defensive guys are different. We bring that. We talk about the the cornerback coming in too. Um, I seem like we we are we just. Are we vying for a Super Bowl championship, bringing all these players in? Uh, and, and, you know, we still haven't signed TJ yet, but I just think there's a lot of players coming in. And who's that guy, uh, Carl Joseph? He's on the practice squad, but he was a, uh, a Raiders first round pick. He He's in the practice squad now. So, well, he's, he's on the team up. now, too. He's been bumped oh, up. He, so, he got bumped yeah. up. There you go. Yeah, he so, got bumped up. Yeah. I mean, Tomlin's loved him for a long time. I think this, uh, I'm talking about this on one of the other BTSC podcasts, and it's true. Like you hear Tomlin talk about him a lot. I think they're really, he's going to be a really versatile piece. Obviously, he came for that visit in the offseason as well before he went, decided to sign back with the Raiders. But uh, yeah, as you say, there's, there's a lot of additions here. Uh, and, you know, to me, I was still, I'm still hoping they'd make a play for Schwartz, Mitchell Swatch, the right tackle that, you know, was playing for the Chiefs and didn't get re signed. I think he's probably waiting for someone to get injured and getting a fat contract. But, you know, still, still a bit of money. Obviously, we have the trade for um, Arkello Witherspoon in the last 24 hours as well, which is quite a complicated trade. I think it's a fifth round pick, but then our fifth round goes with it because it's a compensatory pick. You know, the Steelers are trading away a lot of draft picks next year. You know, this is a guy as well, or as Chris Collingsworth would say, now here is a guy. But this is a guy that's like six foot two, six foot three, depending on where you look at his measurements. You know, he's a guy that ran out, I think he did like a combine four, four, five. He's someone that can play, obviously plays on the outside. He's not the slot piece. So that means Sutton's going to probably go back there. 
you know, apparently he can play pretty well when he's on fire. You know, I looked at some of his, the quarterback ratings that he allows and they look good, but then on film, I think Jeffrey Benedict's already started doing the analysis in the story on the Slack channel. And there are times he just misses things and, and misses tackles. And so it's, it's really hard. Like, I don't think we really know what we're going to get out of this guy, you know? So, I, you know, it's a, it's a weird trade. It's, it's sort of a funny feeling because, you know, we don't have any football this weekend. We've come off the back of four mm. preseason games. We've got football next weekend. It kind of just, it's really, it's like, I wouldn't want to call it calm before the storm, but it just sort of feels out of cycle at the moment. It's a, it's a weird low, isn't it, right now? We have eight more days till the Bills game, and uh, we hope that they're ready to play the Bills. And uh, it, it, I think because we had preseason football, it, 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 like you said, we have that one-week gap now, and then we have the NFL coming up. But um, on, the, on the same, I think with Witherspoon, though, I don't, like, he's just a guy to me that just comes in the side with more depth, I don't expect him to like go out there and get eight interceptions or go crazy and you know do some of those kind of things. I still think that like you can like, the, the the new fresh faces like Ingram or Schobert, those are the guys I'm looking forward to to make the impact. Not uh, a fourth string uh, cornerback or third string, but there's a role. There's obviously a role for him, and we have to trust this organization as we have been doing for the last for myself last twenty years. Um, and I do. This is if it, if it's a player that needs to be there, sure, bring in Joseph Joseph for the safety. I, I trust him. I I really do with his defense. And um, yeah, it is a funny feeling, isn't it? In this in this like we have what we have five days until the Cowboys, uh, Bucks game on thir- thir- or your thought Thursday, and then we have ours on the the Sunday. So yeah, it's, it's just it's a different. Uh, and I, and uh, I think Captain Underpants brings up salary cap. So, yeah, this is an interesting one with the salary cap at the moment. Over the cap projects it at just over 12 or 11 and a half million. I think it's technically slightly more at the moment, though. Uh, Spot Track has it set at $14.8 million that's available. But there's a few things here, like who they've brought off the practice squad. I think over the caps factored in, might have factored already in the, the trade that we made. So, there are a few things here. And also, both. Both websites, Spot Track hasn't accounted for some parts of people's deals. And I think it was over the cap that didn't have uh, Trey Turner's voidable years in there. So I, th- I think we're sitting around about that 12-ish million mark, that 12-ish million mark. So when with, with TJ signing as well, the, the big things to look out for are the number of years and whether they're kind of incorporating this year as being like he'll pretty much get paid more than what he's currently on which is like the t- just over $10 million. And then you'll have the situation where what he gets this year is pretty much his prorated bonus and, you know, guaranteed money over the course of his contract. So what you want to look out for, as I said, is the years and the guaranteed money. That's the more important thing with TJ this year or whether it's considered a deal on top of the $10 million he gets this year. But the point of doing it now before the start of the season is one, obviously you don't want to, you want to really focus TJ throughout the season. You don't want him holding out. So that's why it's going to get done. But B, you can bundle these things together and you can spread out the guaranteed money. And the more guaranteed money you have, the less you're going to have to pay him. I'm really hoping that if you include this year, he's getting a seven-year deal. A lot of people are seeing it at the $5 million mark, at the five-year mark instead. So it'll be six six years, including this, this year. But I think you may as well sign him up. You know that he's going to be a stealer for life. And equally, you can give him more guaranteed money and you can manage this a little bit better. And the thing is, I've said throughout the offseason, either on this show or War Room or wherever else I've been, 
thing to remember is even if he gets paid $30 million a year and it averages out at that, the salary cap is going to skyrocket, right? So whatever we pay now is better because we can spread the cost of that guaranteed money. It makes sense. And we've got stuff in the cap as well. So it, it, it is a little bit complex right now. And you're going to see more changes in the lead up to next week's game. So I wouldn't, wouldn't worry so much where it's sitting until probably about Thursday because it's just not going to be in a settled position as they move people, you know, in and out and off practice squads and all the rest of it. Awesome. <laughs> but Mark, <Sweet>. I wanted... <laughs> it's a long way of answer of saying the number is really not quite known at the moment. <laughs> um, Brad Jewett brings up, you know, could we sell, you know, Dobbs or I mean, he means more trade like Dobbs or Haskins to recoup these picks. Unfortunately, they're sold on Mason. Oh, look, I, yeah, that, that's another piece as well. Um, at risk of setting everyone on fire, I actually had a, fun, a few funny tweets with... Um, Tony Duffio, we were discussing whether Daniel Jones, because I don't think the, the Giants are going to keep him around, whether he could be a smoky, you know, for the Steelers to pick up next year, because, you know, imagine him in a better setup, you know, who knows, but I'm not going to go into that one. And I know I've probably sent people, you know, crying by saying that. Uh, but Mark, I wanted to, I wanted to look back on the preseason a little bit, you know, how are you, how are you feeling after that preseason? Because it kind of ended with a bit of a, it fizzled out oh, a bit yeah. like last year's season. Yeah. You know? uh, it was such a weird ending. And I've said it before, I don't care what game you play. If it's a Super Bowl or the last week of the preseason, no matter who's in there to run the football, uh, go attack attack their run, you got to turn up. And they didn't turn up. They didn't turn up and play. Um, now, look, it was the fourth stringers versus the first. Um, Sam Darnold, I believe, was in there for two for half the drive, so they you know lit us up there. But uh, I don't know, it was a funny feeling. But we just can't put all our eggs on, on that last preseason game. It doesn't mean too much. But I guess for the players who were in the game, yeah, there's there, now there's a reason why you were cut. Marsh, in my right, he's gone. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's back in the pokey ball. <laughs> he's out. He's, he's gone. gone, man. So look, mate. No, 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 though. No, no, no. I feel like this is like Jeff not celebrating Jordan Berry. Oh, no. One, one injury, Marsh back on the roster. He can't be a steal. I'm sorry. I didn't see anything out of him this preseason. I really didn't see much. Like, put me or in before. a Yeah, put me in a jersey out there and I could run a better uh, – I don't even know. I could do, do much better than him. At least I put my hands up. Jeez. I, I, I saw the snap of the ball and <laughs> I'm telling you, He's, he's, he's looking at the, the, the line thinking, when's the ball going to be snapped? And he's two seconds behind the, the other players off the line. So, yeah, look, preseason showed us that. That was the game you had to put on tape that you wanted, wanted to be a Pittsburgh Steeler or in the NFL. And some players didn't cut the mustard. And now they're out. And we now have our 53. or it's still, you know, trying to get around a little bit, but we have it. Um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on the, on the last preseason game, but pretty much... It, it wasn't good football from any really any player on the, the Steelers there. Yeah, for me, it was like, you know, it's one of those things about how vanilla it, vanilla it is really, you know, like it, it's yeah. just a situa situation where they don't want to put too much on tape. Uh, and it was funny. I actually found on YouTube, I was looking for a few different other things and around the Steelers and the NFL. And I found a clip, you know, most people know David Carr usually smashes the Steelers. He doesn't like the Steelers, but he went on this, at least other someone's podcast. And he basically said, 
he complimented Big Ben and how he'd been talking with uh, Sullivan, the quarterbacks coach, because they know each other from. I think they. I think they were at the Giants together or something. Anyway, um, he was basically saying how Big Ben looked on to even to him looked on fire in the game. You know, in the Detroit game, and how Sullivan's like Big Ben can rip it. He's moving around. He's looking a lot better than he did last year at training. He's absolutely killing it. So. I feel like add the Canada offense in, add Najee Harris in, mm. add Freeman, things that we've said basically since the draft. And you could be actually like really, really positive on this. And, you know, it's it's sort of funny because like Owen David said, did you see David Carr prick the Raiders to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. But I mean, you know, he doesn't like the Steelers. So for him to sit there and he was, and he was genuine. You can tell when people are being genuine about something, you know, particularly with their facial expression. He was literally like, Big Ben looks good. You know, so for for me, like it's it's hard with this preseason because mm. I was disappointed. The thing that I was disappointed in is guys like Shakur Brown, Mark Gilbert couldn't quite secure the spot. Like there were some guys in the rookies, and you know how much I love the draft and what have you. You know, obviously Rochade couldn't beat out Jameer Jones. I I just wanted a few more people to step up, and that might have made me feel a little bit better. It's not that I'm feeling down on the season, but it just. I mean, that's the preseason, though. Like, you know, it doesn't even matter if you win the four games. Is that right? What Bar Buck Dancer says here? The funniest thing about David Carr is when they refer to him as—is he a Super Bowl champion? That's a joke. That can't be right. Yeah, he did because he backed up. The, didn't he back up um, Eli Manning? I thought he backed up Eli right. Manning at the Giants. You know what I love though? I love like you know, for my two cents, I love when these quarterbacks get on the in the media. There's another guy on that NFL uh, live show. I can't remember his name. Olofsky, that Dan Olofsky. Olofsky, yeah. I can't stand him. And he was a terrible quarterback. And he's, try, he's trying to tell me and my quarterbacks that we're terrible. I know. Or, or if, you, if you pass here on this route, mate, you were terrible. Like some of these guys are awful as quarterbacks. And here they are sitting in the seat in the Golden Throne telling who's going to win what. That's funny, Buck. Like that, that's real funny. Uh, David Carr was just a, just a guy. He was just a, a guy that... Through the football into the only thing uh, I'll say in fairness to David Carr because I don't like a lot of his takes, but man, he got brutalized by the Houston Texans. Like that was that was bad. (laughs) You go back and look at that. That was mate. I'm surprised he's got his. Here's another one from George. We should do a whole podcast about what uh, uh, quarterbacks are in the media that are terrible. Uh, Chris Sims is another guy who's got a podcast. Oh my gosh! Don't even start. Some of these players are like. They're average at best quarterback. It's like putting like does Mark Sanchez have a have a podcast? He probably does. <laughs> How to not show up? <laughs> it's just a blank screen. It's just, it's no and he probably good. talks like this through it. <laughs> There's nothing. Episodes one to seventeen is just is just zero audio. It's just nothing. There. I guarantee you not to make a Super Bowl. <laughs> He's got a whole list of like. Oh my lord! Oh, what a, anyway, we need, we need to get back on track. But anyway, I, I sort of saw that, so I thought that was funny. But to close out part one, I want to ask you a question. I'm really keen on to see what the live chat has, and we will have Q and A in part two as well. But I'm really keen to see what the live chat have to set, have to feed in on this one. Uh, you know, and I know some of our our listeners or our you know the viewers that join our show live like they are right now do as well. You know, occasionally I go and watch Arthur Motes' podcast with Deke, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yeah. But uh, they got asked the question by someone, would you, once Kevin Colbert retires, let Big Ben 
not Big Ben, let Mike Tomlin take the role of coach and GM, right? So would you be happy with with Tomlin taking a Belichick role or what Bill O'Brien tried to do and destroyed the, the Houston Texans? Would you be comfortable with that? I mean, for me, I'll give my 10 cents on it. I really like Omar Khan. He's interviewing for, for general manager roles. So I think they'd have to work out a way for Omar Khan to do most of the general manager things and then it's personnel with Tomlin, which he already obviously has a full big, you know, sort of saying. But if that meant that you could keep Tomlin for another decade rather than a couple of years, would you do it? Um, straight away, no. I, I believe you have to have you have to have two points of view. You can't just have your own view for for everything to be the coach and the GM. As much as Tomlin is awesome, you still need that second person as a GM to talk things out because, you know, creative ideas flow when people talk and, and have conversations. You and I do it all the time. Uh, if, if, if it was just, uh, you know, your show or my show, some of these ideas that we've had throughout the year wouldn't have happened. Um, so, or you, you, you think it's a great idea and you wouldn't get the feedback of saying, oh, I don't know about that, mate. Um, you, you can't, I don't know if you can do that. I think you need a general manager and you need a coach. You need to put all the effort into a coach and all the effort into a general manager. So I say no, just sort of like a, a business. No, but what if, what if Omar Khan did most of it? It's just that when it came to personnel decisions, like Tomlin, like it was Tomlin's way. Isn't it already really Tomlin's way a little bit though? Wouldn't to a say? degree. I mean, depend. It, well, we don't, we don't necessarily know the deeper part, but you know, for a lot of general managers, they can pick the player and the coach has kind of got to suck it up, you know, but, but this is mm. the thing. Right, because remember there are a lot of coaches that come in after, like Kevin Colbert predated Tomlin. I'm sure Tomlin gets a big say in it, but I just think it's I just think it's interesting, like where that sort of sits. Yeah, I get a I get a feeling though, like I don't think he overly should do it, but with the situation we have now, I think they've got a good relationship those two, and it it's, it shows you with this cult like this culture, and is is being the winning way, and we'll continue to do that. And the players we bring in and the guys we draft like the receivers and some of those guys, we have some really good drafting. Well, um, well, so Chad says this, like Bill Belichick has a sharp eye for talent and a superior head coach to Mike. Like, I I, I mean, I can understand where that's coming from. I, I disagree. I think that I think the Patriots have drafted awfully. You look at the, some of their draft picks. They're good round the later rounds, but their early round picks are terrible. Like, yeah, but absolutely terrible. Bill can coach. Like Bill's a, the Patriots. Oh, Bill way. can coach. I'm not questioning yeah. the coach part, but, and, but this, is, this is my point. Like, would would you feel comfortable if you got to do it? And and the reason I say this is I'm 50-50 on it because one, I want to keep mm. Tomlin around and I think he can spot talent, right? But then you think about a Carl Joseph who's complimented throughout his career. You think about the players we bring in later on that were first round draft picks. Tomlin falls in love with guys as like anyone does, right? Like I have the draft picks that I'd fall in love with, you know, anyone that does, you know, that loves the college game and, and what have you, you do that. But I wonder, is that the trap that you fall into? I just thought it was a really interesting question that I hadn't really ever yeah. thought about. The, the only thing I would say is, is um, Clarence, uh, CW Clarence, uh, Washington says here, um, all coaches don't make good GMs. No, I would just say 100%. If, if, you, if you're doing both things at once, you're not putting all your effort into the one thing. So I I, I think you have to have but, that but, but Yeah, but, but if you've got a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, like we had we had Randy Fickner as an offensive coordinator. Look at that, look at that turned out. If you've had, you know, yeah, you running Randy Land. <laughs> Shut down. Keep it simple, have a general manager, have a coach, uh, whoever the next general manager will be, but 
But this is the thing is like, so some people like, but this is the question that I think it needs to be asked because Omar Khan is great with the numbers, right? But one of the things that I've read about him, you know, when he can do the cap and, you know, he can run a, run a, run a um, back office and he can run the, run the d- different departments, but whether he's got the same eye for talent as Mike, Tom, as Mike Tomlin or, you know, and definitely not the same as Kevin Colbert, that's the question. That's true, but there's also there's also guys in that uh, in that locker room and staff. There's the scouting and like this is a multi billion dollar industry. Industry. It's not going to come down to just the one coach making and, and GM making every decision. There are scouts in there too that you and I wouldn't even have a clue who they are. Well, there I, I forget his name. Their head of scouting is pretty up there, right? But this was the problem. Yeah. This was one of the things that came up when they thought Kevin Cobbett was going to retire last year. Right? Mm. Was that they had the guy that's the head of scouting. And they had Omar Khan, who's great with the numbers and one of the best in the business. And they were sort of saying the problem with the Steelers is they've kind of got two great, like, assistant GMs. But, uh, so how do you sort it out between them? And I'm just saying, does that does having Mike Tomlin above that and upgrading their pay and giving them some special title to make them feel loved, right, so they don't feel like they're, they should go elsewhere and make the same money as a GM, is that the way you can get around this? It's, it's just a creatively thinking about what's great for the franchise going forward. Wouldn't that be a fun, uh, a fun job though? Like I, I picture like, oh guys mate, getting, like, wouldn't that be on, great? <laughs> sitting on the bleachers and just like eight hours a day watching tape, and uh, it's probably really more. It's probably harder than that. It's probably so many more um, things to do with analytics and stats, and uh, maybe even calling. They probably, probably call other coaches and that kind of stuff. But mate, it sounds brutal though. Yeah. I was listening to a pod. I listened to a lot of DJ and Bucky move the sticks podcast, and they were talking about some of their days as scouts. And man, that's like that is brutal stuff. Like that's on the road talking about how much they're getting paid. They were talking about like where they've got to go and catching two or three games in a day sometimes. And like, that's a lot of football. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of fo- like, even if you love football, even if you're an ex player, yeah, like exactly. both those guys, you know, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But look, that wraps up part one of this week's Steelers touch down under. Join us for part two. We're going to obviously have, our, as always, Sling in the Slang. We're going to preview, do a little mini preview of the Bills game because we're still going to get to be able to do that next week. Uh, and we're also going to obviously take live Q&A. And Mark and I are even going to reminisce about, you know, some of the couple of the best moments in our first year of being podcasters with BTSC. Just hold tight if you're listening live right now for a couple of seconds and we'll be right back. For the audio guys, flick over to part two.